Managing construction costs is always a major risk and challenge for any development project. But over the past several years, the GTA has experienced construction cost escalation not seen for generations. Today, we have Ray Wong and David Skunians here to delve into the factors driving construction costs and determine where they're headed over the next few years. Thank you everyone for uh, joining our latest podcast. And as Avi mentioned today, we have David Skunians to join us. And uh, David, we think this is the first time that um, you're on one of these podcasts. So welcome. Can you tell us a, a little bit about yourself, about what you do with at Altus? And, and you know, we do know that you are one of the leaders within the cost group and you deliver a, a number of products, but can you just expand on that? Yeah, I'm a senior director in the cost and project management group. A lot of my time is spent really working nationally across uh, all of our alt offices, kind of setting up standards and systems, collecting data and leveraging that data to help with efficiency, our consulting services, build and deliver new products to the market. And that's really what takes the bulk of my time. And construction cost escalation is certainly uh, one of the key things that we track in those data and those products. The cool thing is that both of us are focused on on, on data and uh, ex- ex- as well as a sort of exploring the trends and and as well as the, the possible sort of advantages and disadvantages of what the data tells us. So what we're what we've been seeing, especially over the last um, couple of months, with you know, rapidly increasing uh, the Bank of Canada policy rate for interest rates as well as mortgages. And over the past 18 months, we saw that run up with, with respect to a new home sales activity and as well as on the resale side, uh, a lot of demand, uh, not enough supply. So even before the, what we're seeing right now with some of the global conflicts and, and as well as some of the supply chain issues that um, we're seeing challenges with increasing in, in material costs and labor costs. So do you think with the changes with the interest rates and with sort of a slowdown in the, the housing market and as well as on the new home side with some of the projects being delayed or canceled. And this is not just the GTA, but what we're seeing in other parts of the country. Where do you see sort of costs moving to, or what, what do you think has changed over the last little while? I think the important thing, first off, to realize is that there's a lag between, you know, your sales activity slowing down and construction slowing down. You know, a lot of these projects, 2000, as as you know, to uh, 2021 was matched the 2017 kind of record setting sales. So those projects that sold in 2021, they're just breaking ground and getting started now and they take years to build. So a slowdown that's happening in, in sales today doesn't translate into a slowdown in the construction immediately. That takes some time for projects to be uh uh, tendered and some of the early trades to finish up before they're actually kind of out there looking to fill their pipeline again. So I think, you know, you, you got to appreciate that lag there. But in the meantime, while construction costs aren't falling yet, 
and revenues are stagnating or potentially falling, you've got this problem that performers don't work anymore. So at some point, that's going to catch up with the industry. There's going to be a slowdown until either revenues go up and you know that, that seems unlikely in the near term or construction costs come down. So I think that demand is is there. It's going to continue. And the minute that a performer works, there's pent-up demand that's going to backfill, you know, whatever spare capacity there is. As far as labor, like a lot of that is it's very locally driven. So it's gonna, you know, kind of uh go along with whatever the local market demand is, which you know, kind of talked about earlier. The material cost is a little bit more difficult one because it's tied up. You know, a lot of that is a, a global commodities and and at least national or continental supply chains, and that's that's very difficult to sort out. I think there's a lot of people that have been proven wrong about um, you know how long that would last and and how bad those supply chain issues would get. It feels like we're probably past the worst of it. And in fact, the World Bank has a um, global commodity price outlook. And they're predicting that by next year, some of those commodities will start to fall. Now, when we say fall, the, 20, the fall in 2023 is still higher than what it was in 2021. So it's relative. Costs will be very high. These material costs would be very high. But all they have to do is stop going up and they will cease to be inflationary. You know, we'll be stuck at this really high cost for a while, but at least it's not going up further. Yeah, and that's exactly what we're seeing with some of the prices. Even though the activity is down, but compared to a year ago or even six months ago, prices are still up now compared to that period. But how do you reconcile that? A lot of the projects that right now are under construction were sold about two or three years ago at those prices. But the the construction today is basically a reflection of today's material costs. So the Mm -hmm. exponential increase in costs over the last couple of years, and now the project's actually launched and there's a hole in the ground. How, Mm -hmm. How do they reconcile that going forward? Yeah, that's especially for condos where you had to pre sell them. You know, that's that's. Uh, probably a bigger challenge for condos than really most other projects because you're fixing your revenue well in advance of fixing your construction costs. I think there's two things that developers have been doing because frankly, we've had really high cost escalation in the GTA long before the pandemic started. Back in 2018, we had 10% cost escalation, which had nothing to do with pandemic or supply chain issues. It was just purely you know, uh, extreme demand in the local market. So I think developers have kind of learned that and they've, the savvy ones have learned how to mitigate it. They do everything possible to shorten that time frame between sales and breaking ground on your construction. So I, I think most developers are doing that better. And, you know, they, they've realized that you, you have to carry cost escalation contingency in your performa. Certainly, any developer that isn't doing those two things, trying to shorten their time frame between sales and groundbreaking and including appropriate cost escalation, you know, they're, they, they have to be underwater. There's no way that your performa works if you didn't do those two things. Well, even with pricing of condos today, 
and trying to forecast out two or three years is a bit of a challenge. So how, how's your data sort of helping that, that decision by, uh, by certain developers on certain price points and to try to mitigate their, their risks going forward? Yeah, we, we have our own cost escalation index that we kind of uh, keep separately and it's incorporated into some of the products we've developed. And really that index is, it's a combination of a lot of different data sources. We use some Stats Canada data, uh, measures of how busy the market is, material costs, that type of thing. We use some of our own data from projects, but really cost escalation is, is it's as much art as science, you know? So we overlay that with, you know, the senior managers kind of local on the ground knowledge in that market. So we start with the model, you know, it kicks out the kind of theoretical calculation, and then we make some overlay that with expert understanding of those markets. And a lot of times what we find is the model is fairly accurate, uh, but the timing of exactly when those changes in costs happen it's is really hard uh, to hit. So you know I think those two those combination of things with you know kind of uh, expert interpretation and, and knowledge of the markets you you need them both. Yeah, David, you sound like us. Like I, I predict a five percent oh, no. uh, office vacancy rate, but I'm not going to tell you when it's going to actually going to hit that number. It could be in the yeah. next six or twelve months, but eventually hit that number. Yeah, unfortunately, that the uh, our clients demand an exact time because they got to put it in their <laughs> estimate. So, you know, we do our best to um, uh, use the you know our consulting uh, expertise and you know uh, virtually every city across the country to. So, you know, uh, forecasting is is a difficult task in the best of times. But, you know, yeah, I think you can improve upon it by having boots on the ground and people that kind of know what's happening in those markets. Do you also factor in the sort of um, the known unknowns, such as, you know, government policy and other factors in the marketplace? Um, it's... The, the difficulty is if you're going to factor in every possible scenario and black swan event, you end up with a range that is so wide that your your forecast almost becomes um, well of limited use. So what we tend to do is to try and kind of narrow the scope of assumptions down to you know the most likely scenarios, but then we give a a narrative in our report about, you know, okay, well, here's the factors that are influencing it. And here's some, you know, major things to consider. And, you know, the report, it's not real time. We're not publishing it every day. So, you know, when you're referring to it uh, in between updates, you can look and say, okay, well, did any of those factors come uh, to fruition and, you know, overlay what you know as of today with, the, the forecast that we had that's maybe a month or two or three months old. There was a time where knowing what cost escalation was or is in the past six months was, you know, uh, accurate enough granularity um, because it, it didn't move very fast. But in, you know, over the past several years, cost information that's even a few months old is ancient history. Things uh, move so fast. Yeah. Over the, 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 the past 
few years, we've gone through uh, a surge of demand, a, a surge in, in positive growth. And to a certain extent um, that um, you, you can afford to make a mistake here and there. And, and then with uh, the surging markets, you can still be right in the, in the medium to, uh, to long term. But what we've seen over the last little while is a little bit different based on what's happening with interest rates, other factors in the marketplace. So how different is it, is it now compared to even you know, three to five years ago with respect to the numbers and how vigilant uh, uh, do we have to be in regards to the performance that you're building today for, for our clients? Yeah, I think definitely today there's far more acute need to make sure you're on top of it and you're going back to first principles to look at your costs and your schedule. You know, whereas five years ago, the practice of taking your last project and adding a bit of cost escalation um, to take into consideration it finished a year ago and maybe you fixed your cost three years ago. You add on 2% per year and, you know, it wasn't perfect, but it was close enough that you could get away with it. And certainly, you know, uh, over the past few years and more and more uh, every year that's gone by, you can get a lot into a lot of trouble doing that. You really need to, you know, you've got not just the very high cost escalation for all the reasons we've been talking about, but you've got changes in codes and regulations, uh, green standards. So it's it's not the same building uh, design that it was. It's experienced very high construction cost escalation and um, the, the schedule is much longer than it used to be. So if you're doing that and you're just taking your you know last project and adding some factors on it and assuming that it's gonna be good enough, um, you can get yourself into a lot of trouble uh, you really need to have some due diligence to make sure your budget and your schedule is up to date and reflective of the current market and the design of your current building. Thanks, David. Um, can we look at from a lender's perspective, like how have they been impacted with all these changes with with costs, interest rates? Um, are, are they looking at the performance a little bit differently or how are they trying to deal with some of the changes they're seeing in the market? Well, I think a lot of the risks that your lender will experience are similar um, um, to what the developer's uh, experiencing. Um, and the lender needs to consider kind of the same thing that the developer does, but, you know, kind of um, verify where did those uh, costs come from? You know, are they, uh, is it a reasonable schedule? Has it been independently verified? You know, they want to make sure that, um, they're not lending to a project on the basis of uh, a, a budget and or schedule that's um, not been fully vetted. And, you know, I think their their conditions precedent as well, maybe need to reconsider how they cover those risks. So we're probably going to ex expect, um, um, especially the lenders, to sharpen their pencils and pay a little bit more detail, uh, pay attention to uh, a little bit more detail with respect to the performers and as well as what is the risk tolerance going forward, especially with this new sort of market environment. Yeah, I think so. 
So, so based on that, what, what do you, uh, what should an owner be focusing on to uh, control some of those risks? Yeah, there's kind of, I would, I would break it down into three factors that, you know, kind of drive construction cost escalation and the kind of the, the big one and the one that people think so think about, I would, categorizes inflation, like the changes in a like-for-like building over time. So not taking into consideration any design changes or or schedule extensions or, or that type of thing. And when when we look at those, I think there's um you know the material and the, the labor costs and how busy the market is. Um, I think you have to understand those factors. Um, and if you're understanding where your cost drivers are coming from, maybe you can, um, look at, you know, how you're procuring your trades. Um, you can, um, look at, you know, should you negotiate a contract, uh, early or, or finish your design? And you can also look at, you know, how busy is the market going to be? How available are trades and contractors and construction managers going to be? And on top of that, you can look at, can I substitute materials? It's very hard in residential to substitute a concrete structure, although it's possible. But certainly if you're looking at office building, for example, a, a steel structure, a concrete structure, a very typical structure types that you could choose either or and and depending on those factors uh, it might influence what type of materials structure is cladding you're selecting with all the data that you're you're tracking on uh, construction costs and materials and so on and so forth how can um, owners or developers benefit from that historical sort of stream of, of data in helping them trying to figure out um, what are the cause and effects and what are the factors they, they want to put a higher onus on that to sort of protect themselves going forward? Yeah, well, the data that we provide, we generally break it down trade by trade. So you can look at, you know, how much is being driven by formwork and reinforcing steel. And, and again, going back to the steel versus concrete structure decisions, you know, looking at uh, what are the changes in concrete and the drivers of your concrete formwork tend to be very local. You know, the uh, formwork trades is a very local market driven by labor and local demand, where steel, a lot of their cost tends to be driven by global commodity prices, which is the, the steel input. Um, it tends to be driven by the, the manufacturing capacity, which is more regional. You know, a large structural steel contractor will manufacture and ship to really a lot of the continent, uh, at the very least the country. And then there's the erection, which tends to be very local. So the dynamics of steel has kind of got one third global commodities, one third regional manufacturing and one third local labor, where former gets very local. So if you can understand that and look at, okay, what's what's driving the market today? Is it local things? Is it just that there's an incredibly busy market in the GTA because we sold record number of condos last year? Is that what's driving it? Because the dynamics of how that's going to drive concrete formwork is very different than the dynamics of how it might influence structural steel. 
understanding, you know, what are those drivers and how does it break down into the individual trades? You know, that that's kind of the, the gist of how you got to analyze these things. Okay. So there, there, there's been a lot of pressure on all those things that you mentioned um, over the past um, couple of years. So there's a certain amount of control that they can have uh, depending on how the building is structured and where the materials come from and to sort of mitigate that type of risk. So if we're seeing a bit of a slowdown in perhaps construction starts because of the lack of demand, do you think there's any sort of short-term relief for owners and purchasers on pricing? Yeah, I think... You know, you're not going to see much of it in 2022, I think. It's probably into 2023 before that slowdown in sales and starts translates into additional capacity in the industry. The other thing to keep in mind is uh, infrastructure spending is going crazy. So these same contractors, a lot of them are, are in uh, all different sectors. So the government's got many multi-billion dollar projects that are in the pipeline or or underway. So, you know, that's going to take up some of the slack, but the residential market is just a, it's a huge percentage. So when it slows down, even if infrastructure spending is increasing, it will free up some capacity. So I think it's possible in 2023, we see uh, costs maybe not come down, but not go up as much anymore and frankly it's just a matter of a performa doesn't work you know that uh they're going to have to at least stop going up or maybe come down in order to uh, get a performa to work but i think there is such a pent-up demand there so many projects just waiting for their performa to work if either costs come down or or revenues go up they're going to be you know breaking ground and, and getting going so I think that kind of puts a floor under uh, how low construction costs will go because you always have this pent up demand there ready to take whatever capacity is available. Um, And I don't see prices and costs falling off a cliff when you've got that kind of reservoir of demand ready for you. Okay, so I'm asked this question all the time with um, when, when we go through sort of market discussions, but over the next, say, one to two years, where do you see uh, us with regards to pricing and, I guess, materials and labor? But do you think um, we're going to have a little bit more balance in the next two or three years? What are, you, what are your thoughts? We're really trying to crystal ball this thing. Yeah. Well, for the rest of this year, I think the the die is cast where we're going to see, we already have seen and um, we'll see for the whole year, fairly high construction cost escalation, probably in the range of seven to maybe even as high as 10%. Most of that occurring early in the year and a smaller amount recurring in the back half of the year. I think next year, it's still likely that quite a few trades will go up. But the big question mark, I think, is uh, formwork and reinforcing steel. Like combine those are a large chunk of any high-rise residential building. And formwork in particular has more than doubled over the past six, seven years. 
So even if it drops just a little bit, and by dropping, I'm not talking about going down to anything what we five years ago would have considered reasonable, just dropping a little bit, it'll have a huge impact and may very well offset increases in other trades. So I think there's if things slow down and if there is a bit of capacity available, particularly with former trades, particularly because they're you know the first trade. So maybe some of those by you know mid to next year will be finishing up those projects and maybe there's not the same volume uh, that they've had over the past several years. I think there's a potential that next year costs are at least flat. There's, I suppose, uh, uh, some potential as well that they fall a bit. But I think the year after that, it's more than likely that we'll see costs going up again, you know, as things settle out and, you know, sales go uh, back up. And I, I suppose you're maybe better positioned than me uh, to opine on that. If we start to see revenues going back up in 2024 and, and sales going back up, I think you're likely to see construction costs go up with it because yes, the global pandemic and supply chain issues working their way out and going back to normal, that'll help. But we had high construction cost escalation just on the back of a busy market in Toronto before the pandemic. And I don't see any reason why that's going to change after the pandemic. I kind of hope you're right um, that I think you're sort of describing a bit of a soft landing if we hit a a recession and gradual recovery. And, you know, from from our side of it, it's uh, we're still a number of questions on the office market, whether or not people are going to return. But we know that the projects are under construction. Uh, we haven't seen any sort of cancellation on the office side and um, uh, industrial and apartments continue to be very strong and as well as for industrial construction we're still we still anticipate 10 to 13 million square feet of, of new industrial space each and every year in the GTA just that you know uh, supply just can't keep up with the amount of demand thank you for giving us that picture of the cost we may not like the the short term picture but you know, it's something that I think we all have to deal with. So again, thank you very much for your time here, David, and providing all your insight. And as well as to the audience as well, thank you for listening to our podcast. We'll let you know what's coming down the line with, with our other topics. Thank you. Great. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode. And make sure you don't miss our next one on the ongoing concern of inflation and recession in Canada's real estate market with featured guest Colin Johnston. Mm-hmm.